Then outspake brave Horatius, the captain of the gate, to every man upon this earth, death cometh sooner or late. And how can a man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his gods? Lord Macaulay, you are listening to the Artiburn Radio Transmission. Era politics and precious metals, weapons grade truth, cutting edge counterculture conservative radio. <laughs> Although I don't want to conserve anything. Not this present reality. Uh, welcome to the Arterburn Radio Transmission, ladies and gentlemen. I am broadcasting and uh, transmitting worldwide from Las Vegas, Nevada, from my hotel room. I was just looking at the comments on previous shows and uh, one of the listeners I have to open up the show talking about it I always say that uh, these broadcasts these transmissions are my support group you all are on my support group I go live and talk to the uh, to the globe or whoever will listen the podcast the uh, the the radio transmission itself and of course uh, 9 30 a.m the answer is San Antonio freeworld.fm uh, and anywhere podcasts are found you guys are my support group uh, in this crazy reality that um, <laughs> we all we all share, and uh, we're all seeking the truth. That's what this show is about. And I just looked at one of the comments and said, uh, you know, I know this was going to be a hard show to follow, but uh, you ghosted us last week. And I didn't mean to ghost you. I've uh, been traveling a lot, uh, a lot going on. I was actually in Las Vegas, Nevada, incorporating uh, the media company that will be uh, Free World. Uh, .fm. It's Free World Media, and I just got through uh, incorporating that yesterday. So I'm traveling for business. I'm I'm giving it my best, and we want to create a true. Uh, and we already on on true free speech platforms like Rockfin, and we appreciate Rockfin very much. Um, but I, we wanted to have another option too. I always need a backdrop. I always need a fail safe. Um, uh, you know, again, this is something you do when you go to war. I always have a backup. And uh, so freeworld.fm is, is it's live and uh, I'm still working out the uh, the issues on my end to get it to uh, pick up my signal and go live at a certain time. But I'll be making some announcements next week, uh, probably going to be coming back with a daily show uh, because, it, again, it is uh, my network. It's Billy Ray Valentine's network. It's Don Jeffrey's network. It's uh, Charlie Robinson's network, uh, Wayne McCroy. Um, and I want to promote that. David Knight will be there. Uh, we just have to work out a few things on the on the system. So bear with us. Go to freeworld.fm and sign up uh, so you can get notifications when we go live. We'd really appreciate it. Well, I'm in Las Vegas the day before Veterans Day. We'll talk a little bit of history today, if that sounds like fun to you. I mean, if you look at the headlines, um, 
<laughs> I'm drinking coffee, but um, you might need something stronger. Just the, the headlines continue. If we perpetuate this uh, this slow burn into the apocalypse or Armageddon, uh, one of the two or both. And um, I was sitting here thinking about movies, uh, you know, that uh, have captured my attention. One of them was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Now, I, years later, after I'd watched that movie and and there's all sorts of weird little hidden uh, cues and nuggets in there, like uh, about adrenochrome and and other things. And, you know, he talks about the anti-war movement and uh, there's a great deal of, of symbology in it. But the term fear and loathing is actually a, a doctrinal term used to describe the populace in wartime. And I didn't know that till years later. I was reading another book and uh, it talked about these are the technical terms. Fear and loathing is us. We are fear and loathing uh, when we're in a, a war situation. And we've been in perpetual war for pretty much the entire modern era. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit of that today. And so um, I wanted to play for all of you. When I got here, when I got in my hotel room and I'm staying at the Excalibur uh, Resort. It's a nice place. I found it on Priceline. I'm just here for business. We have a nice view. The sun is out. Um, I love Nevada. I love the sunshine. Um, but I got to my hotel room and I started thinking about uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. And there's a great uh, clip in there where, and it's just from the book, uh, about the revolution of the 60s and Hunter S. Thompson looking out his window and seeing the wave uh crest and roll back. It was the wave of their revolution. He's talking about the 1960s, the counterculture, something that Hunter S. Thompson was very much a part of. I want to play for all of you, if you'll bear with me, I want to play a clip from that when he talks about, the, it's called the wave speech. And it's very beautiful. Um, and I think when you listen to it, it sounds very apropos. Uh, it syncs a lot with what we in if you want to consider yourself on the right or if you want to consider yourself a conservative or consider yourself a libertarian or America first or a populist, um, doesn't it feel like we had a moment, you know, from 2016 and it's somehow it's gone. Um, we awaken the people at some level. I think there's a lot behind that. And you're talking about Trump and you're talking about America first and MAGA and all that. But there was things building for decades that that pushed that movement into reality. And I was a small part of that. I remember being a young man, 24 years old, picking up Pat Buchanan's The Death of the West. And um, that book changed my life. And I was felt like I was such a, on the periphery. I was such a minority for so long. And then, you know, years later, um, you see the 2016 election and, and um, all the things that came out of that. And I want to play this clip. Let me. Give me a second. Let me share the screen and uh, hook up the audio. I'm, I'm my own producer. So <laughs> you guys, I appreciate your your patience with me here at uh, hanging out in Las Vegas. All right. Let me play this really quick. This is uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and uh, a true uh, Hunter S. Thompson speech. Strange memories on this nervous night in Las Vegas. Has it been five years? Six? It seems like a lifetime. The kind of peak 
that never comes again. San Francisco in the middle 60s was a very special time and place to be a part of. But no explanation, no mix of words or music or memories can touch that sense of knowing that you were there and alive in that corner of time in the world, whatever it meant. There was madness in any direction. At any hour, you could strike sparks anywhere. There was a fantastic universal sense that whatever we were doing was right, that we were winning. And that, I think, was the handle. That sense of inevitable victory over the forces of old and evil. Not in any mean or military sense. We didn't need that. Our energy would simply prevail. We had all the momentum. We were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. So now, less than five years later, you can go up on a steep hill in Las Vegas and look west. And with the right kind of eyes, you can almost see the high watermark. That place where the wave finally broke and rolled back. And doesn't that feel like our own story in a lot of ways? If you know the history of what created the counterculture of the 1960s, and you look back on it, it's so much mind control, so much social engineering. There's the term cultural Marxism, uh, which would <laughs> years ago you get called a tinfoil hat nutter conspiracy theorist for even bringing up those words or even worse, you'd be a racist or anti-Semitic for even talking about. Uh, cultural Marxism, which is a real thing. Um, you know, the, in the 1930s, there was a lot of German intellectuals and, and international intellectuals. Um, a lot of them were kicked out of the Third Reich and they were they fled to places like the United States and uh, they set up um, in, in academia. This is part of what's the continuity of the Frankfurt School, Frankfurt, Germany. And um, they realized these were communists of the highest order, Marxist. And they watched the Russian Revolution, um, and they saw that you know the takeover uh, from you know from Lenin to Stalin, and they they just said, look, uh, we can take over a country and we can create a communism that uh, it does rule, but the people their hearts aren't in it. It's kind of like you you know they had Pravda in in Russia, which Pravda means the truth, and uh, Sevestia, which means news. They had the two outlets. And people say there's no truth in Pravda and there's no news in Sevestia. So the people realized they had to, they bowed under the yoke, but they didn't believe it. And these Marxist intellectuals uh, that were welcome into the United States, they said, we need to change the hearts and mind of the children. And they took, set up shop and infected academia. I mean, these are hardcore Marxists. And Marxism really is the operating system for Satanism in the modern era. Communism, Marxism, it's an operating system for Satan. I mean, let's all call it what it is, because it just Marxism itself destroys life. It destroys the, the, the best of us. It destroys the ability for us to emulate our creator and create. We're not supposed to be worker drone, drones. We're not supposed to be in a, a cog in a wheel of a machine of some higher totalitarian order. We're supposed to create. So these people 
they very much were real, uh, the Frankfurt School. And uh, even people like Mark Levin, who took years and years, and he finally, I think he misspelled it. <laughs> I think he misspelled the uh, the Frankfurt School, but he mentioned it in his, in his latest book about communism in America. And I've been talking about this since I was in my, my early 20s or mid-20s. So they set up shop and they created the atmosphere that was the 1960s. And, um, you know, you saw the same thing happen in China, uh, very similar with Mao's uh, revolution. The culture, he called it a cultural revolution. And they just made stuff up, just made factions war against each other. Um, you know, the old versus the young, the the farmer versus the city dweller, the whatever. And they would just make up, you know, false dichotomies, fa false uh, differences so that people would war and kill each other. And that's what the whole thing was about. It's just complete evil, right? Well, it's the same thing in the United States. We we don't we, we set up a different system. Um, I think it was Margaret Thatcher that said that uh, Europe was created by history, America by philosophy. Well, sort of. Um, and I somewhat agree with that. One thing we didn't take with us when we set up our republic was the class stuff. We wanted to do away with that. You know, that's why George Washington, uh, probably the greatest, one of the greatest men who ever lived, uh, said, no, I don't want to be a king. He didn't even want to do a second term as president. It was thought beneath him. He wanted to go back to Mount, Mount Vernon and work on his business, you know, and be productive. Uh, he didn't want to be a politician. He didn't want any of that, the, the, all the trappings and the pomp and circumstance. He was better than that. He was a warrior. He was a doer. He's a creator. He didn't want to be involved in politics. It was beneath him. He was a Cincinnatus, right? So we don't have that, you know, same sort of system in this country where we had classes. So they realized that they needed to create divisions among things like race. That was a way to get and drive wedges between us or between the sexes and or between the young and between their parents. So you have the drug revolution. You have Timothy Leary. You have, you know, what is it? Uh, tune in, turn on and drop out. Take acid. Right. Or um, uh, Gloria Steinem with feminism. And did it, what, what if I told you that both Timothy Leary and Gloria Steinem were on the payroll of the Central Intelligence Agency? Would you believe me? Or do, oh, you don't think that giant alphabet agencies in consortium with large banking houses and multinational corporations. You don't think they, oh, is that a conspiracy theory that they want to control the way you think that they engineer and farm you? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to paint that in the, in the way that it is, but I absolutely did. Uh, so, you know, again, we have that revolution and what Hunter S. Thompson's talking about, and it's kind of a long way back around. I mean, do you want me to do headlines? I mean, we'll do headlines in a second, but I want to do a little bit about, well, revolutions. Um, shout out to my friend, Mr. Anderson. He sent me a thing the other day. It was like, uh, war is when you, uh, when the government tells you who the enemy is. Revolution is when you figure out who it actually is. And that's a Ben Franklin quote, right? So we're, we've seen these revolutions. And of course, the 1960s revolution was pushing against an open door in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you had the military industrial complex, you had an operation paperclip defense department. You know, we had, we brought over the top Nazi scientists. You had Werner von Braun on Disney. You know, um, you know, if you look at, uh, Dr. Strangelove, Stanley Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove, uh, 
<laughs> it, these a German accent. He can't stop himself from doing a Sig Heil. You know, those guys knew that back then. A lot of the military industrial complex were cap the people that had infiltrated our government that we'd brought in the top the top Nazis. And so this this was against our character. So you know there was some of the a real pushback. And you know you saw a lot of the uh, the divisions in race and culturally everything. It was just a really strange time. I remember talking to my grandmother and I said, you know, I was fascinated with the music of the sixties and some of the things when I was a kid, this is the eighties. And I said, what is, what is, what is a very interesting time? Wasn't it? She's like, actually it was very terrible. <laughs> she hated it. And she's like, it was a very tense time and bad memories is, is what she said. So, you know, they had that revolution and I played that clip because isn't that so much like what we went through and what's next? You know, I don't consider myself part of the the MAGA movement, although I, I mean, I was bef way before Trump, I'm running, I ran on these things, you know, having a border, not a new world order, bring the troops home, you know, stop the American empire, a dollar as good as gold, you know, term limits, uh, free speech, uh, free markets, but not free trade, you know, bringing the jobs back, creating an environment where people can have a living wage. You know, this is the stuff I ran on, uh, peace, prosperity, um, and again, that revolution, really the mantle got picked up by the, the Trump movement. And it's crazy looking back on it now, how insane everything feels um, and how so much of it was captured. But, you know, the captured in the fulcrum of whether alphabet agencies, whether you're <laughs> we got Ray Epps or something, you know, but it's even the leaders of it and, and the grift of it. You know, there's a it's a money making machine and you put these false people, these false prophets and false leaders up in front of it who don't actually have any intention of doing any of the things that would make the country uh, what it was supposed to be, you know, a republic, not an empire. And you watch that that wave break and roll back. And I've been thinking a lot about that. I mean, even an alternative media, which I'm so proud to be a part of, I have my little tiny niche you know, in this this uh, wonderful space of free and independent thought, which we desperately need in these insane times. And I just look at this and I think we got so much to figure out and we're getting hit constantly, right? We, the, the news cycle never stops. It's not like it was 10, 15 years ago. When I first started radio, it's like, you know, I, I had one hour a week and I did it live on five, 570 KLIF in Dallas. And, uh, you know, it's like, what are we going to talk about? And I had all the notes just for an hour. You know, I think you could wake me up at 3 a.m. Uh, just to put a microphone. I could do an hour of radio, uh, hopefully. And that's, you know, um, something I owe to God Almighty, allowing me to still be at this age after everything I've done and gone through that I can still have a coherent thought. So <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. And it's also a little bit of muscle memory. All right. This is something I and I need to do more of. And uh, just again, going back to that comment with um, ghost in my audience, I, I didn't mean to. And uh, I, I'm working on some paratruthers and I'm working on some content. Uh, I'm kind of calibrating. Um, we're going to season of war. I don't want to be over the top. Uh, we've got economic consequences of stupidity and sabotage, the likes of which we've never seen before. It's kind of hard to, I'm a history guy. It's kind of hard to gauge this current reality based on history. I mean, you know, Churchill said, the further you look into the past, the further you're seeing to the future. I don't know. I've not seen a lot of these things in the past. 
I mean, we're talking about implications of losing the world's reserve currency. Janet Yellen says we can have two wars and pay for it. We can't even pay for what we have now because it's all fake. And, you know, I've got, I pulled up some stories. We'll go over. I mean, this is where we are in this country, where we are in reality of uh, <laughs> the West itself, our, our culture, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot to take in. I'm going to go to the Rockfin chat, by the way, if you ever want to tune into the video version of the Art of Burn radio transmission, there's always, you can find us on Rockfin. That's R-O-K-F-I-N.com forward slash America Unplugged Show. Go subscribe to that. A lot of the content we go over there is absolutely free. And then I'll be adding some paratruthers. It'll be premium um, for, you know, two or three, four days until they go on the podcast. I'm, I'm going to offer up some Wise Wolf uh, Golden Crypto shows uh, same way. Um, and uh, I'll be making an announcement on that soon. And of course, you can find me on my Twitter at Tony Arterburn. Uh, my website is arterburn.news. Uh, let me go to the Rockfin chat really quick and uh, check out how everybody's doing. It's good. I see Rhonda Tate, Angry Tigers in the chat, Freethinker59, Thomas Powell. It's good to see you guys. Oh, there's there's Moark Wild Woman. Hi, everyone. She says that's Melissa. <laughs> good to see Melissa. Uh, let's see. We got Yekka's in the chat. And David Burton. Hello from Paris, Tennessee. I've never been to Paris, Tennessee, David. Um, but I've been to Paris, Texas. And uh, that's where they make paste piccani sauce. It used to be made in San Antonio. Uh, but I appreciate all of you in the, the Rockfin chat. And uh, I'll, I'll glance back and forth between um, uh, the chat and the stream. Uh, just in case you guys have any questions or you want to join the conversation. It really means a lot to me. All right, so tomorrow is actually Veterans Day. I know a lot of people are celebrating it today. I saw on social media, and of course, I think there's, uh, is it a banking? I haven't even checked. I've checked my bank accounts, but I haven't been to the banks. I don't know if it's a banking holiday or not. Um, but it's, it's supposed to be uh, Armistice Day, and this harkens back to World War One, which I want to talk to you guys a little bit about, um, because there's some interesting history in our involvement in World War One and like the bones of the new world order the bones of the united nations all the the one world government people they go back to this timeline um it, you've probably heard me speak many many times on the creation of the federal reserve um you know they met three years prior at a place called jekyll island um that's why you hear the the book uh, the creature from jekyll island from g edward griffin and uh, it's one of the books that inspired me. And I, had, I got to tell G. Edward Griffin live on air on Don Jeffrey's show that he inspired me to go into the gold and silver business. So that's pretty crazy. But if you read the book, you know, they have these conspirators and they they called themselves that, you know, these are the richest men and agents, Rothschild's agents, uh, the Warburgs, uh, J.P. Morgan, Kuhn Loeb. Um, they all go out to Jekyll Island uh, very much in the cover of, of secrecy. And this was, they met on uh, no, November 22nd, uh, 1910. So exactly 53 years until the deep state murdered JFK. And uh, three years later, um, because they went and they, they craft, they used language. You see, it's very important for you to pay attention to the words that the elite use and those who wish to control us use. Very important for you to pay attention to their vernacular, to their lexicon, because words and the language is how they slip in the evil. Right. So it's like the Federal Reserve. They, they, they knew that we didn't have a, 
a central bank from the time that Andrew Jackson took care of the second bank in the United States. He called him a, a den of vipers and thieves and I was going to rout you out. And he did. He was so proud of himself. 1836. We didn't have a central bank. By, by the way, 1836 to 1913, that's the exact lifespan of J.P. Morgan or weird, huh? So J.P. Morgan, his entire life was between the two banks, the, the second bank, United States and what became the Federal Reserve Bank. And so they decided not to call it a bank. And they use all this subterfuge and skullduggery and, and trickery, really, with language to get this passed through Congress. A lot of people think it was some like progressive thing. The same thing with the income tax. They use the same language. So the income tax really was a way to, to usher in the Federal Reserve. And so you have a system to pay the interest on it because the income tax, again, was not part of our history. They knew that once they took over the money supply, there would be inflation and there would be uh, there's, there's going to be economic consequences of doing this because we didn't even have inflation in the 19th century. Like the entire, from George Washington's inaugural to the beginning of the 20th century, everything costs the same. We had a gold and silver bimetallic bi standard, especially the gold standard from 1879 onwards. We didn't have inflation. So they came in and they created this Federal Reserve Bank on Christmas Eve, 1913. They install it. You fast forward into 1914, uh, you get the, the guns of August. Uh, the um, Archduke Ferdinand and his wife assassinated uh, in Serbia uh, by a group called the Black Hand. And the Black Hand was tied to British intelligence and tied to uh, the House of Rothschild. If you look into some of that hidden history, something very strange with that. But they needed that crown jewel. See, America was always this, uh, because of the way we set up as a republic, because of our free markets, because of our, our land mass, because of our, uh, our history, uh, we were set to become the leader of the, the, the free world. We were set to become um, the next great empire. If you want to, I don't want an empire, but that's what we were you know, becoming at the beginning of the 20th century. So the crown jewel for the elites has always been to, inf they knew they, so there would never be an outright attack again. Like the British empire, we expelled them, but they used other means to get back in and infiltrate the inner workings of the United States government. They used things like uh, the, the round table with Cecil Rhodes. Uh, Cecil Rhodes believed in reuniting the British empire with the American empire, the English speaking world. They used uh, banks. Right. And of course, the roundtable was it goes secret societies and other things related to Cecil Rhodes. That's where you get the term Rhodes Scholar. You know, so many of the elites go to Rhodes scholarships. Uh, he, he had a country named after him, Rhodesia. He had a, the Rhodesian Ridgeback, the, the dog. Um, he was uh, very close to the Rothschilds. He was a, a bit of a, a pedophile, kind of weird guy, um, very much a degenerate. Um, so <laughs> but he's worshipped by the elites because he had a lot of money. Um, you know, he had did a lot of uh, mining in Africa and other things, but he believed in re re uh, unification of the English speaking peoples. And it's very important to understand that history, because once they started to infiltrate us that way, it pushed us into becoming something that George Washington had warned against about entangling alliances or uh, Thomas Jefferson had talked about peace, commerce and honest friendship between nations. Uh, staying out of wars, John Quincy Adams, uh, America's not designed to go abroad in search of monsters to destroy. All those things that were 
outside of our character, they, they had to hijack in a lot of ways uh, the American experiment. So the first thing you do is you take over the money supply, right? You have to do that. If you want to control something, you control the money supply. So they got to control the money supply using, I mean, brilliant subterfuge. It's, it, it really is a, a case of brilliance if you look at it and how it was how it was hijacked. And they didn't do everything right away, right? It kind of seemed like it was it was designed to protect us against um, these downturns and crashes and things that happened in the economy, like in 1907, which they engineered. <laughs> it's so funny when you look back on it, like they problem, reaction, solution. But they get this uh, Federal Reserve Bank passed. Summer of 1914, the Europe starts to be drawn into a, an absolute cataclysm. And because they had all the like Germany had the von Schlieffen plan and they already had all these plans drawn up, they, they had all these treaties and tripwires of, of alliances. And once something started to move, it's a chain reaction. And this is what should frighten you is frightens me. These were a lot smarter people than we have now. Believe it or not, they weren't just antiquated. These are classically trained, speaking several languages, studied the the you know the the great philosophers, and these aren't just like I mean we have some dummies. I mean, you've got some. I've got Joe Biden. We got John Fetterman. We got like a big chunk of the GOP that doesn't even know what's going on. You know, they're talking about the politics of thirty years ago. So I don't know. These people that got us into World War One were 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 smart. And even being powerful. And you have people like the Kaiser, who's head of Germany. He's trying to stop it. He's breaking down crying. Like you read the history, he's like having a nervous breakdown because he can't, he can't even stop his own war machine. And that's the von Schlieffen plan. The von Schlieffen plan was to run through neutral Belgium and hit France and, and take out the you know, rail lines and do all this stuff and put troops in. And you know, it just turned into this giant stalemate because technology had created these horrible weapons, but not the mobility for it. So you had trench warfare. It's just the most awful, squalid, nasty thing you can possibly imagine. And a lot of people were just gleeful about it, um, especially the banks who fund both sides. Um, you know, in, in the United States, you had uh, Paul Warburg, uh, Warburg, who was the head of the first head of the Federal Reserve, uh, a Rothschild agent. And uh, Paul, um, that's where you get the term, you, you look at the movie uh, Little Orphan Annie. Daddy Warbucks is Warburg. That's, and, of course, you look them, watch the movie from the 80s with Albert Finney, and he's telling Roosevelt what to do. He's in charge, not, pres not FDR. You know, so the, even the people are so, so much smarter in the past. They just knew all this stuff. <laughs> so so you, get, you get the Warburg, right? Well, so that's the, that's the United States. In Germany at the same time, you had Max Warburg in, in, in charge of the Central Bank of Germany, right? And they're both running the same game. This is controlling the money supply. And we'll get to that, how the consequences of that a little later. So you have this cataclysm. And, you know, a lot of people in the United States wanted to get in. People like Teddy Roosevelt, you know, his sons joined. As a matter of fact, it, it, he died. Teddy Roosevelt died of a broken heart because of his son, Quentin, being shot down uh, in the British uh, Air Force. He was, uh, you know, this is the first time we used air winged aircraft uh, in war. And Roosevelt's pushing this, you know, to get us into war. And, uh, you know, his sons go off and join join the arm, uh, the armed forces of the, the British. And 
his son dies and uh, Teddy Roosevelt died a young man. I mean, he wasn't he's only like 60 and uh, he just died in his sleep uh, because he had a broken heart. Um, and that's a true story. So the war, you know, be careful what you wish for, and what you advocate. You know, war should be the last resort. You should always pray for peace. And, you know, when you try to find glory and all these things, uh, there is no glory. It's it's only darkness. And sometimes you have to sometimes you have to slog through it. And sometimes it's necessary, but most often it's not. And there's somebody else pulling the strings and benefiting from it has nothing to do with you. This is something I've learned uh, the hard way. And um, so America's staying out of the war. And this has everything to do with Veterans Day, by the way. <laughs> we'll get to that. But we're staying out of the war. And, you know, Woodrow Wilson, he's running for a second term. Uh, 1916. Uh, you know what his slogan was? He kept us out of war. He kept us. Out. Woodrow Wilson, the banker's president. You know, that's a whole other story. You get the the election of Woodrow Wilson because they got Teddy Roosevelt to run in, in 1912 and as a third party on the Bull Moose Party and siphoned off votes from Taft because the bankers love Wilson. You know, they knew that he would help uh, usher in the, again, that's 1913. You get the income tax, you get the 17th Amendment, which is the direct election of senators. Um, that's what the bankers wanted. They wanted to get it away from the state legislature. So we overturned the Constitution. Um, Again, this against 17, you get the the uh, practice of free trade came in in 1913. It's something we hadn't done before in our history. Uh, you know, if you look at the presidents on Mount Rushmore, they all believed in tariffs. And we started bringing in these new trade agreements. And of course, you get the Federal Reserve. So it's a you know, banker's president and he ran on. He kept us out of war. And a lot of people um, think that it's the Lusitania. So it's the Lusitania, you know, the, the, the Germans sunk the Lusitania and then we had to get in the war. That's not how that worked. Lusitania was in May of 1915, folks. It's not 1917. It's May 1915. And uh, even Winston Churchill made sure that ship went into the lanes that it did. They were looking for it. If you don't think false flags are real, I don't know what to say. If you don't think that, that the powerful don't engineer these things. See, you and I would never do that. You and I would shun power if it required us to lose our soul or to put innocent people in harm's way or even watch them die. But that's not how history works. And you should wake up to it. This is exactly what they did. So you look at 1915 Lusitania, you don't get, and America doesn't enter the war until April of 1917. Let me tell you something. There's a little history that you probably don't know. Uh, it's something to look into, and that is called the Zimmerman Telegram. All right, the Zimmerman Telegram came out of the um, uh, the Foreign Office of Germany. It was a coded message in the in January of 1917. So uh, Wilson had already been reelected on. He kept us out of war, right? Lusitania is in the background, way in the back, and the Zimmerman Telegram happens, and it's this weird message from. Uh, the German government or a representative, I'm putting this in quotations, of the German government, Mr. Zimmerman, and he sends the consulate in Mexico a message. If Mexico would join, because they were already there was already talk of the United States getting on the side of the Allies, but America had never entered European wars. We stayed pretty much in our hemisphere until we went and took uh, the Philippines and Guam and the Spanish-American War, 
And, you know, they still read every year. They read uh, George Washington's farewell speech in Congress every single year. And that had to do with, you know, uh, keeping out of, of foreign entanglements and alliances. So the Zimmerman telegram comes out January 1917. And what this says is, is again, if the if the uh, Mexicans, the Mexican government will join forces with the Germans and <laughs> with Turks, with the Turkish Empire and all that, if they'll join, uh, then they will help them reclaim all of the of the lost territories in the Southwest that they lost in the 1840s. And, you know, starting in Texas, 1836 and then again in the 1840s with the Mexican-American War and taking those and creating those states. So that set off a firestorm of support for, hey, this the Ger Germany's really going after us. R Germany's preemptively messing with our foreign policy. They're violating the Monroe Doctrine. They're looking to colonize or set up some sort of influence in our hemisphere. The war fever begins. And by the inauguration happens in March of, of 1917, Wilson's in a second term. Uh, April, we declare war on Germany. We get in the war on the side of the British, which is really, um, and there's so many factions here, but you're talking about the old order, the round table, right? The English speaking peoples, the banking houses, all of that that comes out of the British empire. So we get, we get this entire uh, apparatus of war behind uh, going in and being on the side of the allies. But if you fast forward, and later in the year, it's actually like early November, like November 2nd, I believe, you get something called the Balfour Declaration. And that's where Lord Balfour, writing a letter to Lord Rothschild in, um, in Great Britain, and that's where they came up with the declaration that uh, given the British able to be, ability to take uh, Palestine and take some of the old Ottoman Empire, they would create a homeland for the Jewish people. Now, a lot of hidden history will look back and see the sequence of events. And you look at who's this weird guy, Zimmerman? Well, Zimmerman was an agent for the banking houses. He had ties to it. I read this in, in James Perloff's book, I believe. I think this goes back to truth as a lonely warrior. And don't quote me on that. I just love James Perloff. I'm pretty sure that's where I got it. Um, so there's a, it's almost like a quid pro quo. They knew that that would get America into the war, and the, the British needed America to enter the war. They needed the fresh resources. They needed the manufacturing. They needed the technology, needed the money, the manpower, because this is a stalemate with the Germans. You're talking about a very fierce fighting force, um, the German Empire at the time, very sophisticated. Like I said, the, the von Schlieffen plan uh, was, was brilliant, except they just uh, the technology had outpaced their own plans, and it wasn't executed prior. And he had the Kaiser trying to stop things. So there's this quid pro quo, it seems. Um, and then that kind of harkens to back to what we're seeing today. So our current reality was built by World War I. It's so important for you to understand that history because Woodrow Wilson, this is very, he had the 14 points, is very progressive, kind of uh, left wing, um, uh, very much putting democracy as a god. That's something that's never been in our history. Um, We've always been a republic with checks and balances. We never just had, you know, giving uh, such divinity to uh, to the electoral process. I mean, that's something that's something that progressives and Marxists and other people do. 
um, or Trotskyites or revolutionaries, right? That's something that's not in the American character. So Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson, he's going to have the war to make the world safe for democracy. And it's the war to end all wars, except it didn't, except it made it worse. And that's what a lot of these central planners and idealists and all these people create. You create unintended consequences of you not understanding reality. And we didn't make the world safe for democracy. We didn't. We made it safe for Hitler and Stalin, because if you don't, you don't have World War One destroying the Ancien Regime and and breaking up tradition and 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 pitting, you know, these great empires and the great civil war of the West. You don't have a Hitler. You don't get him, uh, because there wouldn't be a trench warfare where there are young corporals and messenger going back and forth. He would have never gone to the the psychological clinic called Pacewalk. He would have never turned on to this weird thing that he became in this orator and. Um, possessed man that was able to garner millions of people into a, a war footing. And you would have never had the, the Treaty of Versailles, this Carthaginian un, un warrior like uh, peace, this overbearing punishment that, that the allies gave Germany when they uh, agreed on the armistice in good faith to stop shooting, to, to have a, a ceasefire. And that happened on the 11th month, which is November, right? The 11th day, the 11th hour, the guns fell silent. And that's where you get Veterans Day from. It's Armistice Day. Um, and that's something to think about. Like we, all these things where we're told that we're going to end war. Um, what's that? Uh, who's that idiot? <laughs> I just have no respect for Dan Crenshaw. Um, <laughs> the left has AOC, um, and we have controlled opposition Crenshaw, so COC. Uh, he said it was going to be a war to end all wars, um, I guess leveling Gaza. I mean, does this guy, do you, does he have any clue the stupidity that comes out of his mouth? I mean, I know he's a veteran. So what? So am I, you know, I, does that get you? You love war. You're not calling for peace and war to end all wars. That is <laughs> that's the Wilsonian garbage. That's like George W. Bush saying we're going to democratize mankind. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> that's a Trotskyite revolutionary fantasy. That's, that's a very unchristian thing. Oh, you're going to use your power to make the world a, a happy place. Oh, OK. You know, uh, you you know, it's funny. We do everything but the right thing when it comes to making the world a better place. Wouldn't that be um, sharing the gospel or sharing information and, and sharing technology? And, and again, Thomas Jefferson, peace, commerce and honest friendship. Why would that not be a better recipe? Oh, it's because it's not profitable. It's not prof. Peace is not profitable. Go back and look at the June 1963 American University speech by JFK. You absolutely must listen to it. And then you'll go, hey, Tony, I see why you guys had blown up. Yeah, it's not profitable. And you realize you you are targeted right now in a mind war to get you a, to take sides in some ancient conflict. And and sides in, in Ukraine and Russia. <laughs> I didn't get the head, many headlines today. We, I'll try. But it's, this is the, going over history is so important when you look at the, the current reality. It's just absurd. And you hear the people, they recycle the same lines. 
for, for heaven's sake, they recycled uh, the axis of evil. And they put new countries in it. <laughs> I mean, George W. Bush, like it's an axis of evil because North Korea and Iran and Iraq and uh, Saddam, he's going to get yellow cake uranium and aluminum tubes. I'm like, we gave him the gas in the 80s. We gave him the weapons of mass destruction to, to take on the Iranians and the people that, you know, you look at the, the picture of Donald Rumsfeld shaking hands with Saddam Hussein. And that was our boy. So was Tim Osman. So was Osama bin Laden. My goodness. I mean, the American people are, look at something Gore Vidal said. It's the United States of amnesia. You don't remember? You don't remember that we were taking sides? And we create new acts. It's so unoriginal. I mean, come up with something new. I know you love war. You get Nuki Haley, as Mike calls her Nuki Haley. It's like, why do we have to constantly be in some perpetual war? It's because it serves the interests of those who would like to control us, those who create division, those who profit off of division. They feed off the fear. That's what we're called fear and loathing. They want the fear. They want the loathing. Loathe and hate the other. You're, it's, just, it's so glaringly obvious. And I'm not that smart, by the way. I'm a paratrooper who likes books. That's it. It's not that. And if I know it, then the super elite know that, right? If I know it, they know it. The people that are actually, it's all on purpose to create these divisions. We're being thrown into these circumstances because if they take you to war, all this fails. Like Jared Salente says, all else fails, they take you to war. Of course they do. They take you to war because that's where they get to create the environment like the Patriot Act. Right? Where if you could, they, you know, Biden wants to know if you have more than $600 on a Venmo. Right? Well, he can get, you know, tens of millions from shady Chinese and Ukrainian business deals with his son and blowing it on hookers and cocaine. But you can't move 600 bucks. Which, which, by the way, is not a lot of money after they debased our currency into oblivion. Used to be a lot of money. Um, and I, you know, I like making 600 bucks today, but goodness gracious, can we all agree that it's just nonsense? And then a fake reality with fake currency, folks. And that's the way they get you. That's the way that, that's the way they pull the, the rug out from it. All of this harkens back to the modern creation of the Federal Reserve, which created the, the modern warfare state. And World War I and then World War II is an extension of World War I. Again, made the world safe for Hitler and Stalin. Didn't make it safe for democracy. Then we smashed Europe like no other. And we smashed Japan. You know, and Japan's in ashes. Europe's in ashes. And we went to war because Hitler invaded Poland on September 1st, 1939. And at the end of the war with 50 million dead, they call it the Good War, we gave Poland to Stalin who was a bigger mass murderer. So you do the math on that one. Do you want your kids going to war over this stuff? I mean, you think about it for five minutes. I mean, it's just so glaringly obvious the power structure needs these conflicts. You know, the, the, same, this, the, the same people fund both sides. The Cold War was a lot that way. You know, the Rockefellers and other industrialists had like their own landing uh aircraft they had their own uh airports in the soviet union because they helped control and industrialize the soviet union i mean we built them up during world war ii and even during the cold war some of the same munitions and factories you know they used some of our parts and things to kill our own soldiers like the, in vietnam and these proxy wars right these are these are industrialists controlled by the banking houses 
you know, Doyle Shamley, who was uh, the right-hand man to Bill Cooper, he's a very smart guy. He still is a smart guy. He was over in the first Gulf War, and he tells a story about uh, hitting one of these old Soviet tanks, and he ticks that every tank has a data plate. And he takes the data plate off to look at it, and it's not in Russian, and it's not in Arabic. It's in English. It's in English. Soviet tanks, because they used American technology. They used the industrialists, the same people. They're fighting, creating conflict on both sides. So you can have things like the images of Hamas are sick. I agree with you. Uh, if you're watching that and you're not horrified and pissed off, I get it. But the problem is, is that you don't understand the geopolitics of it. You don't understand the simulations that they've run on it. You don't understand the next step. Right? The next step is a kinetic war with a nation state like Iran. That's geopolitics 101. Right? Proxy wars are language between powers. And that's what's happening. It's happening in Ukraine with NATO. And that extension is happening in Israel and Hamas. And you ask why? How does that touch? It touches because of Iran. And it touches because of the price of crude oil. And who controls the movement of energy? Strait of Hormuz, the petrodollar. That's what it's about. It's not about what you think it is. It's not about they use terrible, terrible tactics. And I can promise you, governments do the same thing. You look at the um, the genocide in Yemen. Where's all the images of that? We don't get to see that. No oil, no interest. But it's a proxy war between the House of Saud and Iran. Did you know that? And we back, back the House of Saud. And they use our weapons and our technology and our intelligence to create that genocidal uh, ongoing conflict because it serves their interests to keep Iran, right, uh, and that sphere of influence weakened. Everything is language, and it's a hidden thing, right? If you look at it, it's never surface level. It's never what the headlines are. It's job one for you to break that. can't believe I didn't, get to, I didn't get to headlines today. Um, be sure and follow me on arterburn.news. Uh, follow the podcast, both Paratruther and the Arterburn Radio Transmission, if you um, are so inclined. I really appreciate it. And, of course, uh, Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N.com, uh, the America Unplugged channel. Let me see if I can pull up. <laughs> I got a, just a few minutes. I was going to see if I could get any of the uh, stories up. I was going to choose one. Oh, let's just do this real quick. Okay, that was between the banking collapse and this survey that was done. I just thought this was amazing. Let me put it on the screen. It was a survey that was done um, on talking to millionaires in the United States. And still, they're, they're close, but they're not asking the right questions. And that one of the questions should be, um, why are you paycheck to paycheck? <laughs> Here's a story. This is CNBC, by the way. So let me share this on my, on my screen. 31% of millionaires say they're part of the middle class. Survey finds people feel squeezed and advisor explains. Only a small share of millionaires say they feel wealthy, according to a recent report. Persist persistent inflation has taken a toll on most Americans. Financial security making it harder to feel well off. What does it take to be rich? The short answer is more. <laughs> this is, they said the feeling rich is increasingly elusive. Folks, this is a skit from Saturday, Saturday Night Live that really was a skit. Dan Aykroyd did this skit under the Carter administration about inflation, about we're going to make everybody millionaires. And that way, we're going to cure inflation 
by everybody being a millionaire. And then, you know, <laughs> sure, everything will cost more, but you'll also have more. <laughs> it's the purchasing price of the dollar is eroding. Or the purchasing power, rather, is eroding. Why is it eroding? Because of the increase in the money supply. They don't teach this. They don't teach this. This is something I mean, they don't, they don't, I see the, the great memes uh, floating around. It's like, you know, the, the school system is designed to make you stupid, right? It's something that uh, they put out that says, uh, uh, hey, uh, school, can you teach me how to do my taxes? And then the next deal is like, oh, no, we're going to talk about how men can have uh, periods. <laughs> yeah, that's called cultural Marxism. It's it's weaponized to destroy your mind, right? That's what all of these things that we're dealing with now is mind control, right? This isn't like a natural progression. This isn't organic. Civilizations don't just tear each other apart. That's not how history works. It takes centuries of decay. All happened in this country. America will be the only country in history that was taken down artificially, that declined artificially. It didn't. It, every nation has a beginning and an apex and an end. It's all that's that's never going to not be the case. But we were accelerated. We were put on a path to destruction by the elite. Zygmunt Brzezinski, Trilateral Commission, um, the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. Like these are all ways to dismantle our sovereignty and dumb us down, make us a servant class. Everything's consumption. It's not production. Everything's debt. It's not wealth. Right. It's fake. And where do you get that fake? You get it from the fiat currency system. That's what it is. Fiat is fake. It's the head of the snake, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and there's another head. I don't have time to go into it, but the Pentagon's talking about, you know, poor Zelensky is he's asking for money. Uh, he says now you can give him credit. Um, those billions, where'd they go? You know, he needs his constant supply. He's, uh, he got high on his own supply, though, folks, and, and he's going to need more. I mean, and it's fading fast. There's, there could be a silver lining in that, but I'm not very hopeful. There's something connected here with the war between Hamas and Israel, and which is really a war between Iran, their proxies, uh, and Israel and the West. And that's what you need to be careful of. And there's something that touches the war in Ukraine with that. And I think it has to do about energy, petrodollar. Uh, who controls the world's reserve currency and all of the all of the ancillary things that go along with it. So it's our job to try to figure out how do we thrive and survive during those times. Right. So that's one of the reasons I do what I do in the precious metals business. Uh, one of the reasons I'm out here in Las Vegas, um, setting up better co corporate structure, uh, setting up banking relationships so I can move product faster, um, working on our compliance, working on, you know, as used to be just me and my dog in a notepad uh, in San Antonio, and I've outgrown that. And I'm very thankful. I've got a great crew in Branson. I've got a great crew in Denison. I've got Kinsey. Uh, Yekka's come on board to help. Uh, I've got I've got a bunch of uh, great people behind the scenes um, just doing a magnificent job. And, of course, the, Melissa's there, um, and she helps in all kinds of things. I mean, so I've got a great team. I, I really can't fail if I'm showing up and suiting up, but I need – your help too. And uh, a lot of that has to do with um, helping us out. And if you're interested in precious metals and getting away from the Luciferian bankster note and the fiat currency system, uh, go to wolfpack.gold. Uh, check out the membership program. If you think you can't afford precious metals, you're absolutely wrong. 
Uh, we have a, a program that starts at $50. We even have one for kids at $35 called Wolf Cub. Uh, we put in, you know, fractional silver and coins and I'm going to get better at putting in little lessons in there too. And, and we have a whole uh, list of great stuff coming out for Wolfpack and we're so excited about it. So I'll go to wolfpack.gold, check that out. Um, we have stuff coming up for free world, uh, freeworld.fm. I please go and, and subscribe and join. Um, we're going to get, I'm getting an app built for that. I just incorporated out here in Nevada. Uh, so we have a, a company structure and uh, we can set that up for having a store. So it's a lot of great stuff on the horizon and uh, we're doing what we can to promote free speech and uh, to, to arrive at, at what we believe is the truth. And this is a, I mean, freeworld.fm will be a complete griff free zone. There's no, we're just people that want, that love the, for the love of the game, for the love of the truth and our own passions were there. And so we just so appreciate uh, each and every one of you and um, happy veterans day to thank a veteran. And uh, if you have a veteran in your family, um, you know, hug them if you can um, and make them feel welcome. Uh, some of us, never really leave where we fought, you know, you leave a piece of yourself there. So um, spread kindness. That's, uh, that's our, uh, our charge, right? Tell the truth, be kind, uh, represent Christianity and, uh, and peace to the best of our ability. And of course, if you really want to thank a veteran, then end the war. Okay. All right. You guys take care of each other. See you next week. End of transmission.